This is Exchanges at Goldman Sachs, where we discuss developments currently shaping markets, industries, and the global economy. I'm Jake Seward, Global Head of Corporate Communications here at the firm. Our guest today is Ashok Varadhan, Global Co-Head of our Global Markets Division. We'll talk to Ashok about the big shift in the financial services industry over the past month, particularly in trading, where he works, as well as takeaways from his division's performance over the past quarter and what those trends might signal. Our earnings were released this morning, so it's been a busy day here at Goldman. Thanks for taking the time to be with us, Ashok, and welcome to the program. Thanks, Jake. Uh, honor and privilege to be joining you. So before we get into everything that's going on today, you've obviously seen your fair share of economic crises and financial market meltdowns. Characterize for us what you're seeing this time, what's the same, and what's a little different. Wow. So I would say, you know, certainly with respect to the increase in volatility, I think those are things that we've seen before that happens anytime you end up getting sort of volatility in the economic cycle. Uh, you'll end up getting sort of corresponding volatility in asset prices. I think what's markedly different about this is just the rapidity, which with the onset of this pandemic basically spread and you know became so immediately sort of everyone's sort of central thinking and, 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 and central you know, economic behavior, coupled with the rapidity with which asset prices fell. So I think if you were to go back again, sort of the you know, people go back and make comparisons to the financial crisis, I think something from you know from the end of 07, to the low that we got to in March of 09, you know, you're talking about basically 14, 15 months in which the market went from its high to its low. This go around, I think it was 14 to 15 trading days in which the market went from its high to its low. I would say also then when you think about sort of the, the velocity and the magnitude of the sort of the public response, it took quite a bit of time for the Federal Reserve to cut interest rates and implement a lot of different types of policies to support credit and get credit flowing to the economy, that took a lot of time uh, subsequent to the financial crisis. But because they had that playbook and they were familiar with it, and because there was sort of continuity you know, on that committee, uh, they were able to respond very quickly. And so I'd say sort of the onset of the crisis, the decline in asset prices subsequent to the crisis, and then the response to the crisis is all basically, you know, instead of it being like a two-hour movie, it's been like a 30-second, you know, 30-second reel. And so that's the real difference. I mean, there are obviously other differences too. I'd say, you know, from a, from a human perspective, you know, going through the crisis, having gone through, you know, 9-11, which was something sort of professional and obviously very personal for me, there was comfort in the camaraderie that you got from coming to the office and working with other people. Um, that was uplifting, being able to come in and collaborate intellectually with people in a conference room on a trading floor uh, to sort of come up with best ideas. Now you kind of have to do it like this. And that's a little bit weird too. So at a time in which you're feeling all of the things that you feel when there's a lot of volatility and there's a change in the economic cycle, which could be anxiety, fear, uncertainty, all of those types of things. Now you have to kind of deal with it alone, you know, in a way that's very different. That, that's, the, that's the part that's very unprecedented too. And people won't write about it because it's not necessarily economic. But let me tell you, it's very psychological um, with respect to you know how it impacts, how it's impacting all of us. So obviously you, you talked about this, but it's a huge shift in the past month to go from that pretty densely packed trading floor to basically a remote workforce that's, that's working still by computer and still electronically, and it's all digitized, but everyone's remote. And so what's that been like for your business where you're used to being, you know, standing and, and sitting right next to each other? So I'd say we're learning a lot. You know, I think experience is the best teacher. And 
I think one of the things that we're learning is if you had asked me six weeks ago, seven weeks ago, if work from home would work as well as it has for a sales and trading business, which obviously, you know, creates some logistical challenges from, you know, from work from home, it's gone remarkably better than I think I could have ever forecasted. And that's, you know, having been a 25 year professional in sales and trading business, it's gone way better uh, than, 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 than what I would have forecasted. And also what I would say is people are really working their tails off. You know, even though people are working from home, I have found that as a consequence of that, people are available 24 seven, people are over communicating, certainly relative to how much they've communicated in the past. You know, there's global connectivity. People are trying to make sure that they're connecting with people globally. I would say certainly with respect to clients, there's a lot of, you know, Zoom calls, conference calls, things like that to make sure, you know, that we're connecting with clients and then obviously doing the best to stay connected with our people. And so in some sense, on a trading floor, you sort of take for granted that you can see Peter, Jane, Bob, and Billy. Now you sort of can't take that for granted. And so you're actually reaching out more. You're actually, you know, it's causing you to explicitly reach out more. And, you know, that's been one of the, one of the um, consequences of this. So your business is super modern, high tech, but why do you think there's so much doubt even, you know, you yourself expressed it, why do you think there's so much doubt that this industry could function with the remote workforce and what technology work more seamlessly than you would have thought? In particular, I would say sort of quoting prices, being able to quote prices electronically, have those prices be transmitted uh, to clients, clients being able to basically execute on those prices fairly quickly, and then having those, you know, those trades consummated and booked and making their way into, you know, the books and records of, of us and the books and records of the clients that we're trading with. I think all of that, we've obviously some subsets of our products have always had that like foreign exchange is largely, you know, 100% electronically traded equities, 100% electronically traded, um, certain parts of the government bond market. And so we've dealt with that. And I'm not surprised that those verticals basically moved pretty seamlessly. But sort of the other verticals, which historically have been more voice traded, like certain parts of the corporate bond market, certain parts of the, the derivatives market, you know, we've been able to essentially trade those things verbally, you know, w- with voice, and then immediately have them electronically booked on both sides and matched. And I would say that this is, you know, we talk about it a lot, you know, there's a lot of lip service put out to it. This is a real, you know, when you think about whatever you want to call it, front to back or people in the front office working closely, you know, with the Federation to sort of make these things happen. Um, that's really been on display. I'd say, you know, there's been real display of excellence by people in the front office by going out and pursuing and getting the business done and real execution excellence on behalf of people in the Federation, uh, making sure that business gets done in the right and compliant way. So what are the biggest challenges that came up during this transition um, as, as quickly as it came about? And and it's hard to talk about good things when people are sick and people are dying, but but is there anything good that's come of it from your perspective in your in your business? Well, I would say, you know, again, I think you only sort of learn things about your business when it's stress tested. And I would say sort of the stress test of our business, both in terms of economic performance, in terms of how our clients viewed us, and then in terms of the things that I was just talking about, some of the logistical things, you know, I think we have to be kind of, I'd say, surprised to the upside 
um, that all of those things sort of reveal themselves to be, you know, very, very, very satisfying. You know, the other thing I would say, and I'm, you know, I really, again, this isn't lip service, I really give credit, you know, to the executive office, our sort of health and safety was always prioritized, always prioritized. So anytime, you know, I had a conversation with David or John or Stephen or my co-head, you know, the first, how are you feeling? Are you healthy? Are your family healthy? You know, like that's how we started every conversation with a, with a high degree of sincerity before then we got into the nitty gritty of, okay, what's the transaction that you're working on or what's our risk or something like that. Every conversation started that way, even at a time in which there was urgency around other things. And that tells you a lot. So we reported earnings uh, this morning, you know, obviously impacted uh, by the uh, by the crisis, particularly on our marks in our equity book and provisions for credit losses. But about maybe six, seven weeks ago, you stood on a stage at 200 West and talked about getting to an 11% return threshold for your business, cost of capital threshold. And this yeah. quarter, you printed uh, a 19.7 uh, yeah. return. Well, I, I rounded up to 20. I took the liberty of rounding up to okay, 20. Rounding up to 20. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Obviously, well, how do you feel about the, the performance of the division and what did it teach you about, about the earning power of, of the global markets division? Yeah, I've, you know, I've been in the global markets division or various different iterations of it for a long period of time. And I'm pretty well aware of kind of what its earnings capability is and sort of the scale that exists in the business. What I would say is you know, one quarter um, is just a quarter. And this was kind of an extraordinary period you know, a regime shift. And I do think, you know, time, you know, like we still have a lot of things that we need to execute on that we said we were going to execute on. And so we're still committed to our strategy. Obviously, things have gotten a little bit discombobulated and we sort of have to deal with, you know, the the, the crisis at hand. But, you know, when there's a resumption to normal, whatever that new normal will be, we're going to evaluate our strategies and continue to sort of execute on the things that we laid out at our investor day. What I would say is while it's satisfying to contribute to the firm and, you know, be one of those, you know, one of those portfolio of diversified businesses that exist in the firm that can contribute to the firm at a time in which, you know, our sister and brother businesses are having, you know, maybe a little bit of a, of a tougher go as a consequence of the climate. What I would say is, you know, we're not, it's, it's just a quarter. I think we have the, you know, the appropriate amount of, you know, humility around, you know, you know, around us and around our business. And I think, you know, it's incumbent upon us. I think the thing that we're incredibly focused on is how do we help our clients navigate what is sort of what return to work will look like, you know, what are the asset classes, you know, that will perform better sort of in a sort of new economy in which more people are working, you know, remotely and all of the sort of first and second order effects associated with that, you know, which products, you know, are systemically seen as very important and will get a lot of, um, you know, governmental support, whether it's in this country or in countries abroad. Those are the types of things that we're very focused on. And on some sense, returns will be an output, not an input. You know, that, that's, you know we, we kind of come in, we try to do the job as best we can, work with our clients, work with our people, you know, um, and, and returns will be what it is. But certainly, it's nice to see that there's some elasticity to the upside. Yeah, well, there were certainly a lot of doubters um, who thought really that business had fundamentally changed. And maybe it has. I know. I heard them. I heard them. I heard all the doubters. You're familiar with yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. But, but it was interesting to see at least when there is, you know, dislocations uh, in the business and, and people turn to Goldman, you can deliver, but you're delivering because your clients, as you said, were active, right? And there was a lot of volume. A lot of client activity. The, the one thing that I would say is, I know there's been a lot of sort of 
external perception, a lot of stuff that, you know, every time a partner leaves, there's a, you know, there's a, a, a news article, um, you know, and it gets a lot of hits and all of that sort of stuff. We have extraordinary people in the business, extraordinary people in rates, extraordinary people in commodities, in credit and emerging markets and foreign exchange and equities around the globe, like top notch, you know, a uh, collection of talent. Uh, you know, they don't get as much notoriety because, you know, they have, you know, there's not as longly tenured as the people who have been here, you know, for decades and then left. And so, you know, there's always a newspaper article about the person that left, not a newspaper article about the, you know, the quality of the team that stays behind. I said this on stage too, like, I've never felt better about the quality of sort of trading talent that we have in the business. And in some sense, I think amongst all of this, when you think about how this virus impacts sort of every product, rates because of monetary policy, credit because of forbearance and credit policy, commodities because of the price of oil. You know, I could go on and on, you know, equities because of the suspension of dividends. You know, global markets is the transmission mechanism for all of these things. And so the fact that we have such a high degree of confidence of all in all of the people that we have running those verticals, I think that's the part that's been pretty satisfying in the first quarter. So um you obviously super engaged with clients as what were some of the biggest themes you saw from clients? And I know it's hard to jazz because because you got a lot of different clients. And but as they were navigating that volatility and you're helping them navigate, what were some of the biggest themes that stood out? I think it was the biggest, and, and obviously you can't get a market that goes from its all-time high, right, to like down 30% in 14 days if you just don't get a massive shift in sentiment. And what I would say the the most prevailing thing, Jake, is that you know, in February, you know, even towards the latter part of February. People thought, oh, come on, this is a flu. And a flu, you know, with a death rate, you know, of sort of in and around 100 basis points. And that will happen. And there's always a flu during the flu season. And you can document the number of death. And, you know, the whole world doesn't shut down as a consequence of that. So this will come and go. And, you know, there was a high degree, I don't want to call it complacency, but sort of, um, you know, a, a, a real high degree of conviction around containment. And then all of a sudden, it completely flipped. And so people really had to adjust, you know, their portfolios, their way of thinking, where value was, um, you know, uh, how they basically wanted to, um, you know, immunize themselves um, from, uh, you know, a global economy that could shut down, not for a week or two weeks, but for a quarter or two quarters. And you're talking, again, I don't have to explain it, you know, to to people listening to this, you know, you're talking about literally a shutdown of everything. And, um, and so I think, you know, helping our clients sort of navigate that reposition, understand the implications of it. Even now, I'd say the vast majority of sort of client calls that I do is now sort of getting into Q3, Q4, what does normalcy look like? What industries come back? How do they change? Um, you know, all of that sort of thing. I think even now people are trying to navigate three months and six months forward. Now in people's stream of consciousness, people say, okay, something has basically changed, quote unquote, forever in terms of, you know, now this part, you know, health and, you know, personal health and all of that sort of stuff and, and contagion being part of the new culture of how people will, uh, you know, return to the workplace. And everybody's sort of trying to figure out what the medium and long run implications are for that. And one, how, you know, our opinions on how we're going to run our business, which should therefore maybe help them form how they should run theirs. But then also, you know, whether it's asset classes or companies who are going to be the winners and losers that emerge from this. And so there's a, there's a lot of dialogue around that. 
So as, as you help clients think about the future, you referenced some of the questions. What, what are, what's some of the advice that, that you and your team are giving to those clients as they're thinking about the future, the next six months, nine months, 12 months in, in years? Yeah, I'd say, um, and again, this is just an opinion, you know, not the opinion. You know, I would say, I think the opportunities right now are going to be sort of in and around credit, you know, generally more higher quality on the spectrum, because I think when you have an economy, you know, there, you know, again, I, I can quote our economists, other economists, we're talking about, you know, an annualized contraction in the second quarter that could be in the arena of 25%. You know, that, that's a pretty big GDP contraction. You know, you could get unemployment temporary in this country, you know, above 20%, you know, when we had basically hit a 50-year all-time low, not just six weeks ago, three and a half percent. And so I think when you think through that sort of, how should I say, negative consequence or, 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 you know, kind of poor output, I think the most important thing is you have to make sure that credit doesn't freeze. You have to make sure that people can pay, you know, people can pay what they owe. And if they don't pay what they owe, there's forbearance. And so that, and so I think that, that I would really focus on high quality credit because I think that's going to have to be buttressed so that things don't spiral from there. And so that's like, I would say in the very near term where I'd be very focused. Because if you don't get reparation there, you can't get reparation anywhere else. And so I'd say that's where the a lot of the that's where a lot of the near term uh, dialogue has been for sure. Well, Shok, beyond um, beyond business planning uh, and, and and thinking through these kinds of questions, what are you most focused on over the second quarter? Yeah, I'd say you know working really closely with the executive office on back to work. What does back to work look like? Do people get tested? Do they get antibodies when we go back to work? You know. Um, you know, will everyone be wearing masks? Will we be taking people's temperature <laughs> when they come in? You know, the trading floors, we've historically been packed in, you know, pretty tight, you know, call it, you know, three feet between people. Do we need to kind of make it six feet or maybe more uh, distance between people? So very focused on sort of, you know, one, you know, the first and foremost priority is we want people to come back and feel like their work environment is safe. And so that's, that's uh, you know, very important to the three of us. I would also say we have to think through sort of, again, sort of which markets will start to see reparation first and making sure uh, we help our clients get exposure to those markets, get active in those markets, you know, uh, see that those markets start to, you know, get more liquid and more reliable. And so that people feel confident, you know, expressing themselves in those markets to the fullest extent. And so, you know, again, markets are open for sure. All markets are open, but I think there'll be just like there'll be sort of a reopening of business. I think there's also going to be sort of a further reopening of markets, even though markets have been op open as you get people, you know, coming in and trading, not necessarily what they have to trade, Jake, but, you know, maybe what they want to trade, maybe, you know, a little bit more, you know, have the marginal propensity to trade things go up a little bit. And we have to make sure that we're right along our, our client's side for that. Well, Ashok, great to talk to you today. I know it's been super busy. Thanks for joining us today. No, thank you. It's a nice log cabin you got there. It really is. Let, <laughs> the, can... let, the, listeners, let the listeners know. Uh, you know. <laughs> that can, well, we've done some video from here, so they, they've seen yeah. it. I've gotten, a, I've gotten some comments. That concludes this episode of Exchanges Goldman Sachs. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed the show, we hope to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating or a comment. And tune in for our weekly markets update Friday morning, where leaders around the firm provide their quick take on what's going on in the markets and what's driving the new volatility. This podcast was recorded on Wednesday, April 15th, 2020.
All price references and market forecasts correspond to the date of this recording. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute research or a recommendation from any Goldman Sachs entity to the listener. Neither Goldman Sachs nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information contained in this podcast, and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Goldman Sachs, and Goldman Sachs is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, the receipt of this podcast by any listener is not to be taken as constituting the giving of investment advice by Goldman Sachs to that listener, nor to constitute such person a client of any Goldman Sachs entity.